Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. Woo! And like a sushi chef with a long order ahead of him, we're ready to roll. I am your host, Marco, alongside Ian. And Ian, do you know what time it is? What time is it? It's race fucking week, baby. Bang. We made it through. We made it through summer break. I didn't think I was going to do it, but uh, we are here. And we have a huge, huge podcast ahead of you uh, with the race weekend coming up at Spa. We got a very special guest on the podcast today. It's our buddy Ryan, or Shrek as he's better known. He's going to give a little bit of a pretty special spotlight. I don't want to say driver spotlight, um, but a spotlight on a good personality in Formula One. So we'll be hearing from him a little bit later. But as far as the agenda we have, we'll go through some recent headlines. We'll get to that spotlight, and then we'll talk a little bit about this upcoming weekend, including the track, the weather, and our always perfect race predictions. So kicking us off on headlines. Marco, why don't you take it away? All right, let's do it. Headline number one, Fernando Alonso. The man who's pretty much quoted on something every single day, I feel like we see uh, all these articles, uh, clearly went on a, some type of ayahuasca trip the other day. His tweet, which I literally cannot even read, was pretty out there. Uh, we had no explanation on, on what what he was trying to say, but everyone kind of concluded that there was some good news coming out of Alpine even before. And actually, as of today, he is signed through 2022. Uh, people kind of assuming this were going to happen in Alpine. Uh, some people from Alpine states that he would even be around for sure uh, till 2024. So, uh, yeah, great news for Alonzo. I think he's had a, a pretty stellar year so far uh, in the Alpine car. So, uh, yeah, Ian, what are your thoughts on it? I'm excited for him, uh, for the contract. I'm concerned for him because of the drug use that is obviously rampant in his day-to-day life. I think um, the the weirdest thing was he was obviously just putting down gibberish, but people were responding to his tweets, and he was responding to them. And I put it through Google Translate, and it was nothing. So I think, yeah, I, I'm not sure what was going on there. Yeah, I mean, even Ocon responded in gibberish too. He responded back to that in gibberish. I didn't know what was going on. I felt like I was on a like a an, a movie of National Treasure, and I was needing that cage to really decipher this shit for me. But alas, we figured out what it was for. And congrats, to the uh, the old timer. Moving on, we have two Netflix stories that I'm going to hit back-to-back. One is Boys. Uh, I mean, I guess we were already anticipating it, but it's good to have some confirmation that The Drive to Survive Season 4 is coming in 2022. They have a ridiculous number of storylines that they can go with this season alone. Um, I mean, you hear us talk about them on a weekly basis here on this podcast, but um, you know, there's just been so much drama, so many talking points that have been overdeveloped by the media that I can't really see this season not being an absolute cracker, but uh, we will see. And on the other side of that, also on Netflix, there's going to be a Michael Schumacher documentary coming on September 15th. This is nice because we don't have to wait for it that long. But yeah, I'm excited to see that just because I feel like obviously I'm a huge F1 fan, but I don't know too much about Michael Schumacher because you know he was winning championships when I was four years old. So uh, yeah, it's going to be cool to see. Any thoughts there? No, yeah, I saw the previews for it, and yeah, just a lot of stuff that about him in, in general and about his life that I had no idea about, so very excited to, to watch that. Love it. 
Moving on, we have, so as you know, upcoming to every single race, they have the drivers paired off into interviews. And I feel like F1 does a really good job about putting guys that might be having a little tension or some storylines behind it together. This week we had Valtteri Bottas and George Russell interviewed together. And they were actually asked about the updates for next year, leading off with they both wanted their you know next year figured out by summer break. Both yeah, Valtteri started first. Both said that they had no updates. Bottas seemed a little more down answering the question. He said that, you know, he kind of has an idea what's going on, but uh, no information. George said the same thing. But in a way, it kind of seems like that they were taking their time, going through the process, figuring everything out. So it kind of seems like, you know, there is that leaning towards George is finally going to make himself to the Silver Arrows, but uh, they both don't want to admit it fully yet. It was an awkward press conference. I think, obviously, they've been instructed to put all media off their trail, like not really give anything away or not give anything, you know, not say anything that could be construed as some kind of breaking news. So, yeah, both of them just seem to be like, uh, nothing to announce, nothing to talk about right now. And, yeah, obviously that's frustrating. We thought during the long, long, long summer break that we went through, we were going to get some kind of news just to keep us going. We didn't. It kind of sucks, but uh, but yeah, it still seems, I think if you take the temperature right now, even with Lewis Hamilton saying that Valtteri Bottas and he have never had a better working relationship, you know, he would love to see Bottas on for uh, a next year as his teammate. Um, I still think, you know, it's 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 a little frustrating, but it's still going to gonna end up in the result that we want. Right. Yeah. And I, I wonder if a little bit about it is like, hey, you know, you cannot answer these questions if they bring it up. Because, yeah, I would love to hear Bottas where, like, George is like, yeah, you know, no news, no, nothing yet. We'll, we'll wait and see. And he's like, no, George is going to be the second seat. And then just see where, you know, what what uh, <laughs> tires are kind of kicked, just spilling the beans. Or, you know, there's a certain time and expectation where everything has to get released. I would love to see, you know, if he's coming out and getting kicked just to say screw it and just start spilling everything. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, like, it's if you're leaving your job or you're getting fired from your job and you know it's coming to an end, like, why not go out on a – on a bang. Why not, like, you know, rip some shit up on your way out? Right. Take a, what is it, like, take a turd, turd on your boss's desk or something yeah. like, on your way out, something like that? Poop on your boss's car, like the office. There's another thing. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, we have a very exciting new award coming to F1 alongside the fastest lap, fastest pit stop. Uh, whichever driver completes the most overtakes during the course of a season is going to get the Crypto.com award. Just a trophy. I assume it comes along with some kind of cryptocurrency alongside it. But this is actually exciting because I feel like of all the awards that they try to make up in F1 outside of the World Championships, this one is actually going to hold some weight in, in being like cool overall. Yeah, and I think it kind of shows a lot more about you know, how good a driver is actually doing given the place he's starting off. So yeah, I, I think this is awesome. This is some like really interesting data to actually look at, uh, not just the word itself. I'm guessing it's just, yeah, just uh, a sponsor, Why the reason why it's called the Crypto.com Award. But uh, yeah, I mean, I crypto is passing stocks. I don't understand really the, the rationale behind it, but I'm guessing it's just a, a big paycheck for, for Formula One. But yeah, really excited. Uh, Sebastian Vettel is currently leading. I don't know if you had said that. So um, yeah, cheers to him for maybe a potential another award. Love it. Speaking of Sebastian Vettel, as you know, a couple weeks ago, he came in P2 in the Hungarian GP, and they actually disqualified him due to not being able to get out uh, the gas out of his gas tank. He actually received the trophy and uh, needs to give it back to Lewis Hamilton. He says that he has no idea where the trophy is. 
I don't think that it should be a big deal for either of them. I don't think any of them, based off of uh, their history of winning and getting first place, that uh, I, I doubt that Lewis actually has room in his place to have a P2 trophy. But uh, pretty funny that uh, I think, you know, just give it, give the man that has been through some struggles the last couple of weeks, just give him the B2. And I think even Lewis would say, just take it. Yeah, like you said, I don't think Lewis really cares about this. And if I were Vettel, I would do the exact same thing, whether or not he's being truthful about that. Like, yeah, keep it. They took it away from you on basically a bullshit premise that had nothing to do with you personally. So, yeah, this is my P2 trophy. Take the points, but I'll keep the trophy. Absolutely. Yep, and here's a quick little cute one that I saw starting this week in Zandervoort, which is a place in the Netherlands, is now going to start instituting speed limits of 33 kilometers an hour instead of 30 kph to support max verstappen and put his number up kind of like an advertisement to him so just thought that was kind of cute uh and then lastly to finish this sector out we brought on not only our haas correspondent but our finance correspondent ryan shrek and i wanted him to tell us a little bit about the toto wolf insider trade so ryan if you're there i would love to turn it over to you and give you the floor i'm absolutely here i started thinking you guys had forgotten about me but happy to uh speak on this week's (laughs) potential criminal drama um as toto wolf gets linked with potential insider trading along with lawrence stroll um the owner of the aston martin f1 team as the speculation is that Toto Wolf illegally or with insider knowledge purchased some Aston Martin ownership. He originally tried to buy upwards of 19%, I believe, ultimately only to buy about 5% for legal reasons. But that is currently the news coming out. So we'll continue to monitor that and see what, what comes of it. But I have a bit of a, a theory that I'm, I'm really working with and I think is holding a lot of weight, at least in my mind. Um, We still haven't gotten to a driver announcement for that second seat of Mercedes, despite them time and time again saying it will be done during the summer. Obviously, everyone is pretty convinced it'll be George. I'm not so certain. Uh, And I think there is a very likely scenario here where Lawrence Stroll and Toto Wolf work out some sort of partnership or under-the-table deal. If this is as damning as it appears for Toto, I find a very likely scenario of Lawrence Stroll falling on the proverbial sword and his son Lance ending up at the second seat of Mercedes next year. It's certainly a bit out there. It's certainly something that not enough people are talking about, but that's where I come in. That's where I bring these these claims, and I, I think there's a lot to it. I'll leave it, I'll leave it at that. Jacques Villeneuve, I think it was a long time ago. Jacques Villeneuve, who I think he won... He won the championship uh, like early 2000s, late 1990s. He said that weeks ago. So not only do we maybe have something to do with insider trading, we might have some insider information on the insider trading. So insiderception right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, can you imagine if after all of this hype of George getting into that seat, it was just snatched from him by a billionaire? Yeah, um, I will like to give you guys an update on this. Actually, as of yesterday, both Wolf and Stroll were cleared of insider trading over Ashton shares. But and we will edit that out because <laughs> that does not fit the agenda that we have. Yeah, you can take that out. That doesn't have to be a real thing. Damn it! Edit. I say, ed, I'm, 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 I'm editing your. your no, your yeah, you can take comment. mine out. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fake. That's that's not true. It's still open. Going with this Lance Stroll seat for the second chair he did also call in the grill the grid that they've been producing on youtube every week cannot highly recommend enough he did call himself the champion for 22 23 24 and i believe 25 mm-hmm. so 
I think there is a very possible chance that he knows something that we do not. And hopefully we will find that out soon. Just like everything in this sport, we're just going to have to wait and see. Speaking of Toto Wolf, team principals, we have a very special sector for everybody today. And I am very excited to have our good buddy and correspondent, uh, external correspondent on many different topics in F1, present to you a little bit about Gunther Steiner. Before he gets to that, this sector of the podcast is brought to you by the Belgian group Defense Attorneys at Law. These folks know that in a scary world where crime seems to stay on the rise, petty theft, purse snatching, and pickpocketing have increasingly been a problem in Belgium. But we let those inexperienced chump attorney deal with those charges. Our attorneys at law deal with the big crimes, your grand thefts, your arsons, and even your murder-suicides. Our office has been awfully busy lately, but don't that... Our office has been awfully busy lately, but don't stop that from getting you the law protection you deserve. The Belgian Group. Keep us in your head and the 9mm away from it. Well, there you have it. Thank you very much for that. Yep. And yeah, let's just have this quick transition into a good pal, Ryan, to talk about old Gunther. So yeah, going from, from Toto to, uh, to Gunther, a lot of people have been very fed up with the battles at the front of the grid this year. Obviously, Red Bull, Mercedes, many are caught up with the middle of the grid, saying that that's where the real excitement lies with, you know, McLaren versus Ferrari or some of the Aston Martin, Alpine drama. I'm concerned with the end of the grid. I'm concerned with the bottom. We have the Haas team that has had not zero, but one driver make it to Q2 this year. Um, that very same driver was battling in the 10th place points for position leading a much superior William seat for several turns before being overtaken. So lots of great things going on in the Haas garage. And I think that's all a big part of the culture that Gunther Steiner has implemented there. But it goes way deeper than that. I think the three of us and many Americans can give a lot of value to the work that Gunther has put in to not only make F1 an American sport, but keep really America in the sport of F1 in a, we'll say, semi-successful, looking back a couple years, um, lens. So our man Gunther, F1's favorite wanker, is is so much more valuable than that. He was actually born in Italy, despite having the most like Prussian-German name I've ever seen. Um, he was the son of a butcher, but he actually studied engineering. So unlike a Toto or Christian Horner, he was not coming from a racing background. He actually came from an engineering background, despite not ultimately um, earning his uh, degree. But with that engineering background, he was able to work him, his way into rally car as a mechanic in the late 80s, early 90s. So he worked his way up as a rally car uh, mechanic into assistant team manager until he was ultimately a technical manager of a team in Italy for rally car, where he took some notice from some of the bigger competitors. After winning a Euro title, he was ultimately offered the position to manage Ford's rally car team, uh, which is mostly notable because he had driver Carlos Sainz Sr. on his team. So he worked with the father of current driver Carlos Sainz Jr. back in the rally car days in the early 90s. So he definitely had plenty of, uh, of star power in his rally car days. And that ultimately led him to get recruited by the Formula One Jaguar team in 2001. What's notable about this is he was actually headhunted by Nicky Lauda himself, who was the team principal at Jaguar. When quoted, Nicky Lauda was 
um, caught saying that he asked if there were any talented people at Ford, and his contacts there gave him Gunther. That guy lied, is a direct quote from Nikki Lauda. So a little, uh, little humor, <laughs> maybe a little Tough. truth behind it. I don't know. Um, we can't, unfortunately, ask the late, great Nikki Lauda, but he was headhunted personally by Nikki to uh, work for the Jaguar team. Unfortunately, that team struggled, as we all know, in the early 2000s. Um, Nikki Lauda was eventually let go, and they slashed a great amount of the staff. They offered Gunther a bit of a demotion or a new role to which he declined and was out of racing for a period of time. However, later in the 2000s, Red Bull purchases Jaguar, and they reach out to Gunther in order to offer him the technical operations director, which is notable because he worked pretty much directly alongside Christian Horner during this time. Um, So he was right there with Christian. If uh, things go another way, I think you see Gunther himself managing a Max Verstappen-led Red Bull team, but unfortunately that did not happen, and Red Bull was able to poach McLaren's technical operations director, to which Gunther was then out of a position, and Red Bull offered him the opportunity to establish a Red Bull team NASCAR. So he took his Italian roots and moved to America. He actually currently still resides in North Carolina. So from 2006 to 2008, he was the director of the Red Bull NASCAR team, um, which is also why he holds an American passport. Uh, A little fun fact, because he does still spend a great deal of time in North Carolina. And it was during this time in the late 2000s, early 2010s, that the United States made a big effort to gain the investment funds needed to bring a U.S. F1 team, was what it was marketed as. Um, They approached investors such as Gene Haas or Joe Custer of the Gene Williams Racing Teams, who ultimately decided to turn it down. So that prospect in about 2010-2011 of having a U.S. F1 team ultimately fell short just due to a lack of investors. However, in 2014, Gunther himself met Gene and Joe Custer, the two principals or owners of Gene Williams Racing. He actually met him at a steakhouse to try to convince them that there was a good enough market in the United States and enough of a profitable perspective that the F1 market had in the United States that it was a formidable investment. And Gunther himself was able to convince Gene to invest and ultimately is a huge part of why we have this Haas F1 team. It was also Gunther himself that secured the Ferrari partnership. So the reason that they have a Ferrari engine is solely because of Gunther. And Gene also put the entire hiring of staff and development in the entire process for the team was entirely on Gunther. So the Haas team that you see now is because Gunther at some point gave that person a green light, gave them an offer. So it was entirely his doing. It was on his back and he was a reason that we now have an American constructor on the grid. So Gunther's fingerprints are all over this team. He is one of the most valuable people in terms of United States history when it comes to F1. And I think that 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 cannot be understated enough. Without him, we would not have an American constructor. It was the first time that that's happened in 30 years. And it was something that, you know, we have been able to score points. They've been able to have some success. Obviously, they've uh, struggled a bit financially and have, have taken a bit of a step back. But I think we have our man Gene to thank for that. So... Um, that's kind of the, the long and short of our man Gunther, and just really, really thankful for his commitment to the United States, for his commitment to, uh, to Haas Racing, and 
really can't wait to see what what's next for for our man. And then uh, just a couple of little fun facts. He is he is happily married. Gunther Stein's wife is a beautiful woman by the name of Gertrude, Gertrude Steiner, and they have a lovely daughter by the name of Greta. So just three Italian names, true and true, just like uh, Gunther himself is. So Greta, just a, a so family you, man. So, so Gunther, Gertrude, and Greta. Yeah. Straight man. G's. The G's. <laughs> wow. Jesus. But that's Jesus, the most, that's I the like most, that. Look at that. Nice, Jesus, big capital G. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's uh, long and short. Oh, I got some yeah. fun little Gunther quotes. If 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 we're interested in that, I got you know any Absolutely. questions, I'd be happy to field. I I, I really am just uh, a huge fan of this Haas team. I think they have nothing but uh, the world in front of them and nowhere to go but up, quite literally. Give us a good, give us some good Gunther quotes. Um, so he uh, was on the media for not inviting Romain Grosjean to a team dinner and when asked about that he uh, simply and dryly put that he would have been invited if he scored points so drivers that score points get invited to team dinners and the rest apparently just don't get the the invite so really love to see that especially for a Haas car that's not even close to contesting for points um, just you know great dry humor from our man um, he also was was pretty upfront about it when uh asked about you know kind of what his career path went and he, he basically said i'm not an actor i'm not good looking uh it's not what i do and it's not what i want to be if i washed myself in the mirror maybe then i would try to be one but for now i will be a race engineer so i disagree i think he's one of the most handsome men on the grid um as well as just one of the most comedic and down to earth so I, I don't know where he's getting that false sense of humility from but that was another another good one that i really enjoyed yeah well, yeah. Once again, thank you very much, Ryan, for uh, walking through that. I, you know, I think all of us are huge fans of the Haas team as well as Gunther. So just getting a little bit more background as, you know, how he got here and kind of his rise to fame. I, I always try to think of the Haas team as you know minor setback, major comeback. So in the coming years, I think that we'll be seeing a lot of that coming up. Uh, and so moving on, we are going to pass it over to Ian to talk about the upcoming track and some of the weather, but. Before we get to that, this part of the podcast is brought to you by Amy's Absinthe and Other Alcohol. Amy's Absinthe has been around since the European Prohibition hundreds of years ago. Sweet, sweet old Amy started her business as a brothel and grew it to bring in thousands of men and women each year. She realized, she realized that the drunker the customers got, the more money they were willing to spend on the ladies. At that time, there was only beer and wine for the more wealthy people. Amy thought that if I could come up with an extremely potent beverage, she would be wealthy beyond belief. And just like how Amy picked her women, she took time making this absinthe very seriously. Amy's absinthe uses a maximum amount of thujoin, which is the active ingredient that gets you that delusional state uh, that you do when you drink absinthe. And to this day, still has the highest amount among all competitors. Many high-profile actors and athletes reach out to the company to be a spokes to be their spokesman. So much so that they offer Amy's Absinthe money themselves to be the sponsor and not the other way around. They actually recently struck a deal with championship driver Fernando Alonso. His first tweet promoting the brand went well, as many other as many people saw. His first tweet promoting the brand went well, as many people saw that post recently. He actually sampled the product first, which explains the incoherent nature of the tweet, which actually said BV, BTV Vras Nürnberg Doa Inoa Igat Indoor which we believe that meant 
Amy's absinthe is the tits. Speaking of tips, we need to bring back Amy's brothel. It got great media coverage around the globe, and uh, we're really looking forward to seeing more of Fernando's tweets uh, and advertisement about Amy's absinthe, Amy's absinthe, and other alcohol. You'll love it. You just won't remember. The people behind the scenes securing these ad deals for you guys are doing an absolutely remarkable job. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that falls on both of our shoulders. So huge pats on the back to both of us. (laughs) Lovely. Uh, All right, let's talk about it. One of the best races on the calendar. Spa. It's held huge highs and huge lows for several different drivers. This is actually a track. Speaking of a Schumacher documentary coming up. 30 years ago at this track was where a young Michael Schumacher made his F1 debut for the Jordan team in 1991. It's also the track where a young Antoine Hubert was taken from us way too early during the Formula 2 race. That was in 2019. You saw some, specifically I think, Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc going out and putting some flowers where Antoine did hit the wall there. It's a hell of a track. It's one of the longest laps of the season and one of the fastest with an average speed of around 230 kph. It's like 130 miles an hour. Um, it's actually a third fastest average speed on the grid there. Um, and yeah, you can reach up to you know 315 miles an hour at Blanchemont, which is one of the turns there. 10 of the last 19 races at Spa have been won from the pole position. So qualifying is of the utmost important importance, obviously. The cool thing is five current drivers who are currently racing on the grid have won at Spa. So Kimi Raikkonen, he won four times. Lewis Hamilton has also won four times. Sebastian Vettel, three. And Daniel Ricciardo and Charles Leclerc each have one race that they finished at the top of the podium in Spa. So, uh, yeah, hopefully this shows that it's anybody's uh, anybody's race here. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, just like in Hungary, is going to be looking for his win number 100. Um, he has not won a race in six weeks. So y'all's opinions on that? Are you considering him a bad driver? Six weeks is a long time not to win a race. Um, no, I think he's got it figured out. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> and then last fun fact about uh, about the race um, Kimmy, as long as he finishes 11 laps, uh, he will be the driver who has completed the most number of laps at Spa, beating Michael Schumacher's 602 laps. Kimmy, the uh, king of spas, he is well-known and was especially well-known during his title-winning days. Put it on his grave. Um, and yeah, that's all of the, the fun facts that I have and kind of the insight into the track. I guess one more thing is this is the only circuit on the calendar that has recently had... Uh, their CEO die in a murder suicide because of bisexual infidelity. That is something that um, is you know is of note. There aren't a lot of other tracks that have that. So um, yeah, you gotta you gotta note the differences. It's the subtle differences that really make up the things. <laughs> yeah, really, uh, really subtle difference. It's also known to um, many F1 fans as having one of the most iconic single portions, which is a Eau Rouge, the massive hill winding turn um, right after the starting straightaway especially fun track and especially really fun to see that hill in perspective when you see the drivers walking around the track or even trying to bike up that hill Uh, it really just puts into perspective how crazy of a straight um, uphill that is and how easily those formula one cars can handle it into the the massive straight that's soon following it really huge fan of this track 
excited. Man, it just feels good to be back, honestly. It feels mm -hmm. good to be on Thursday. I have a lot of media to watch. I have a lot of racing to watch. Um, and yeah, these next couple of days, I think I've, this is one of the most exciting times I've been back. We got a, we got a hell of a race up front and just all these different storylines that we can't get, all these different storylines that I cannot wait to get into after the checkered flag on Sunday. So um, with that said, let's talk about the race itself. Got some race predictions we're going to fire off here. As you guys know, um, these are always a bit of a crapshoot. But with that being said, I have scored 12 points against Marco's 9. Ryan, you are uh, you have not been competing through the beginning of the season, but we'll definitely let you get in your, your kind of celeb shots on these predictions here if you're interested. So um, let's go with the first one. Who do we think is going to crash or DNF? Marco, you start. I'm going to go with Valtteri Bontas. I just think that everything that's been going around uh, in his last couple races, that I, I think he's just mentally out of it. I think he's ready to get out of the Mercedes, whether he wants to admit it or not. And him messing up, uh, you know, just one other time is, is what he's maybe deep down hoping on. I mean, shit on your boss's desk, like we say. Right. Shit on your boss's desk. Go out with a bang. Ryan, who's going to crash your DNF? I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz of the Ferrari team. Not much else on that, just uh, kind of what I'm feeling right now. Understood. I'm going to go with Kimi. Um, like I mentioned before, he's got 11 laps to go to beat Michael's record of 602 laps around Spa. So, yeah, I'm going to say that with all this with all this hype around the Schumacher name right now, with the documentary, with mixed performance, I'm going to say that that does not happen in the racing gods hold Kimmy off for at least one more year if Kimmy comes back. So put me down for Kimmy. Uh, my winner is going to be Max. I think it's just time for that title race to come back in, in a big way, and this would be an awesome way for Max to do that. Ryan? I'm going to go Checo. I think Red Bull puts two cars on the podium this weekend. I think they have the most complete car. Obviously, Valtteri is going to be serving his penalty at the start of this race, so that's something to consider, and I think Checo will, uh, will come out on top. Lovely. Margaret, who we got? I really like that. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to use my Lewis card here. Uh, you know, he's got 99 wins, and uh, I think it would be huge coming off the summer break to break that uh, and be the only driver in Formula 1 history to get those 100 podium wins. Love it. That actually would be really cool. It's kind of like one of those moments where it's like, yeah, we're, we're watching history, so let's just enjoy it, even for the... For the Lewis haters, which you could argue that there are at least one on this podcast, me being myself. Um, and for Marco, last place, give me who you got last across the checkered flag. I'm going to go with Nicholas Latifi. I just, you know, I didn't want to use my Mazepin count, and he looked like a prime subject for me. Go for it, Ryan. Uh, give me Mick. I think Mazepin has been making strides. I think he is getting to a point where he can compete with his teammate, and uh, I think we see that this weekend. All right. I am going to use one of my Mazepin cards since I banked up a few, so take me from uh, from seven Mazepins down to six. Seems like a small number with as many races as we have left in the year, but we'll take it. Uh, my driver of the day, anytime I hear the word Spa, I can't get the quote, he won in Spa, he wins in Monza out of my head. Um, so for some reason, I just think Charles is going to have a, uh, a wonderful race. Put me down for Charles as driver of the day. Ryan? Give me Yuki Tsunoda. 
Okay. All Do we right, have any reason it. to back We're that up? We're going a little biased on the pick. fantasy team. We're going a little biased on the Alpha Tauri. I think Yuki's going to have a big weekend ahead of him. I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I hope that Charles gets driver of the day, but I wouldn't be mad to see that. Interesting pick. Love it. Yeah, I'm going to go with Fernando Alonso. I think I'm just, you know, playing kind of the last couple of weeks that's been going on for a lot of my picks. And with him uh, getting that signing today, I think he's just going to go out on top and really show uh, Alpine that they made the right choice. Love it. Let's hope so. Let's go from driver to douche, douche of the day. Marco, who do you got for douche? Brought to you by Summer's Eve. Yep, Douche of the Day brought to you by Summer's Eve is, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Pierre Gasly. I think he's going to be uh, full of douche juice uh, for the for the race today, or for he the race this a, weekend. He hasn't seemed extremely juicy as of late, so maybe the douche juice kind of built up over the summer break. Not a bad pick. Ryan, who do we got? Uh, douche juice, something new to me. Did not expect to hear that term on the pod. That really threw me off. Um, that being said, I'm going to go with Giovinazzi, Antonio Giovinazzi. I think he is going to cause some mayhem due to an error himself. Yep. I am going to go with Valtteri here. Um, obviously he had his big slip up in Hungary. I think they can kind of get in your head. So I'm going to go for a back-to-back Baltas bowling incident. And fastest pit stop, we can go quick through these ones since we are all big time guessing. I'm going to go with Alpine. Ryan? Uh, Williams. Okay. Marco? Terrible pick, terrible pick. Mercedes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, why- <clears throat> and wild cards prediction to wrap up this final sector here. Marco, give me, give me something wild out of this world wild. Well, I'm pretty uh, surprised with... Ryan's winner going with Sergio Perez because my wildcard prediction actually aligns well with that. I said Perez is going to finish ahead of Max, and I, if that's not good enough, I'm going to say Max does not podium as well. Okay, so can we get some specificity here? Does Max finish the race, or is he a DNF? Um, I feel like as long as he's not on the podium, that's going to count for me. Okay, that's a good negotiation there. I'll give you that. Ryan, do you have anything? These are kind of hard to come up with off the top of your head. I think, I mean, I did I did claim the two Red Bull podiums. I think we have no Mercedes on the podium. I think it's going to be two Red Bulls, and I'm going to say Ferrari to complete you your podium. You stole the, uh, the Ian special right there. He's been playing that is that my for special. a couple weeks, I, yeah. I, that usually is a, is a cash check for me, honestly. But I'm going to go with Mick Schumacher. Again, right in that Schumacher clout that's going around the air these days. He's going to finish P15 or higher. Not to say that it's not going to be on merit, but I sure would like a couple of cars crashing out and maybe giving me a little bit of an edge up to catch up. So, uh, yeah, make sure you're finishing P15 or higher. And with that, that will wrap up Eaton Asphalt Podcast Episode 25. Boys, we're going to watch the cars go vroom this weekend. And I can't tell you how much it makes me happy. And I can't wait to watch it. Not with you guys, but uh, but with you guys in spirit on FaceTime. This is going to be a good one. Spa's a great track. never really disappoints. So, uh, yeah, all that's left to do now is wait. Any last thoughts? No, that does it for me. Yeah, really looking forward to this weekend and for the, for the entire rest of the uh, second half of the season. Ryan, any, any uh, last thoughts as your second veteran appearance? 
No, just like to uh, sincerely thank you for for including me in the pod, letting me come in to do my little bit on the Haas Garage. I, I can't get enough of of that team, and I'm really excited for the the leadership that they have. So thank you for having me. Hope everyone learned a little bit and had fun along the way. Perfect. That'll do it from everybody here at the Eden Asphalt Podcast. We appreciate everybody for listening. We will see you after Spa. See you, assholes. See you, assholes. Ryan? See you, assholes. Yay! (laughs) All right.